Aloha, Gangi. Good to see you as always. I saved you the best seat in the sand, right next to the bonfire. Yep, it's a race car. I spent seven hours building and shaping the sand into a special seat. So before we get into our stories tonight, I wanted to cover a well-known term in Hawaii. The Japanese word obake refers to ghosts, spirits, or apparitions. In Hawaii, kids learn the word obake just as early as they learn the word ghost. Books like Glenn Grant's Obake Files series and Rick Carroll's series, Hawaii's Best Spooky Tales, brought classic stories of haunted Hawaii to the masses. There are places, however, that always had the supernatural tied into its history. Tales were passed down through the generations, like the battle at the Nu'uanu Pali, where over 700 Hawaiian warriors were forced off the thousand-foot cliff. When the Pali Road was being constructed in 1898, over 800 skulls were found at the base of the cliff, believed to be the remains of those warriors. Heiaus, like the Ke'eku Heiau, discussed in episode 1, are known for the thousands of natives brutally killed on site for their mana or spiritual power. So the stories, often dismissed as fables, were true. So buckle up, pop open that green bottle, unless you're buckling up in an actual car. Don't drink and drive. I promise this episode has it all. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Light up some Obake OG Kush. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There's one of the three things I promised already crossed off. Get comfortable and let's get into this. Tales of haunted schools are common in Hawaii. Rumors of schools built over ancient graves are just as common. A huaka'i po, or night marcher's trail, supposedly goes through the high school I graduated from. I learned this from my Hawaiian history teacher, no less. One day, He told our class a story of a night he worked on campus later than usual. Although the area where his classroom was located was not made to be driven on, teachers often did, parking their cars adjacent to the building. After turning off the lights to his classroom and locking the door, he hopped into his car and attempted to start the engine. But nothing. Not even the electrical components kicked in, just dead. It was late in the evening before cell phones were in everyone's pockets, so he sat there figuring out a solution to this mess. Then, out of nowhere, mist crept around his car and the building. He said he heard faint drums far in the distance that seemed to suddenly jump right outside of his vehicle. Startled, he squeezed his eyes shut, clenched the steering wheel till his knuckles went white, and buried his face into the back of his hands. The legend is, if 
you are to cross paths with the Huaka'ipo, you must not ever look at them or risk certain death. If coming in contact with night marchers, you must close your eyes, strip naked, and lie face down until they pass. The reason night marchers supposedly spare your life is they find pity by your shame. Sometimes a relative may be part of the procession of spirits and will call out to the leader to spare the life. My teacher knew this and not having enough time to strip, buried his face into the steering wheel and waited. The drums continued around his car and almost seemed to synchronize with the heartbeat in his temples. Suddenly, something slammed into the passenger side of his car. Then again, with more force. He wasn't sure, but he suspected the wheels on the passenger side of the car lifted for a second and dropped. Then again, the invisible force hit the side of his car, but this time, it pushed the car, sliding it perpendicular to the direction of the tires. His car slowly skid, roughly six inches to the left. Then, everything stopped. The sound of drumming, the force pushing against the car, the fog seemed to lift as if someone turned on a ventilation fan. It would be silent if not for the dinging of his car's notification signaling the key was in the ignition. The beeping slapped him back into reality. The battery was no longer dead. He turned the key and the engine roared to life with no issue. He skirted out of the makeshift dirt parking spot and sped home, for some reason, constantly checking his rearview mirror, expecting to see a group of figures. He got home safely and seven minutes quicker than usual from the speed. He inspected the side of his car, surely expecting damage, but there wasn't a single scratch on the vehicle that wasn't there before. He told his sleepy wife the shocking story and had a couple nightcaps to settle his nerves. The next day, when he returned to his classroom, he inspected the area his car had been parked the night before. Tire tread marks were clearly visible in the mud, but the peculiar thing was the number of footprints that littered the ground on the passenger side of the car. Dozens of bare feet were visible, the dirt recording the events of the previous night. The other odd thing captured in the dirt was how the car skid sideways without rolling. What has the force required to push something that heavy without rolling it? In the end, my teacher figured his car must have been partially parked on the night marcher's trail. Because he closed his eyes, and he thinks luckily had an ancestor within the party of spirits, his life was spared. The night marchers pushed his vehicle out of their path and continued on their way. Looking back, he realized all along the side of the building, continuing down the path that led to the main road, were tea leaf trees. Hawaiians use tea leaf as spiritual protection, purification, and healing. 
Someone, long ago, had planted a row of tea leaf trees that paralleled the invisible path trekked by the night marchers in hopes to protect the school, students, and faculty. There are choke stories like this. Choke, meaning plenty or lots of, in pidgin English, the slang used in the islands. There are choke stories like this that happened at my school, and choke stories of hauntings from schools across Hawaii. Like my high school, a rumored huakai po or night marcher trail crosses through the Manoa Valley where the UH Manoa campus is located. Talks of drums and chanting being heard in the distance and the light of torches lined up single file being visible on certain nights. However, this is not just a tale that involved the Huaka'ipo. That episode is yet to come. No, this episode covers the hauntings at the dorms at the University of Hawaii Manoa campus. Toshio was excited for his freshman year at UH Manoa. Ever since he and his family vacationed in Hawaii when he was 10, he made the decision to go to college in Hawaii. The University of Hawaii Manoa campus was established in 1907 and was the largest school in the islands. Situated in the Manoa Valley, the school first occupied 90 acres, but within a few decades, grew to over 400 acres. However, before the school was built, locals knew the valley as one of the most haunted, if not the most haunted, valley on Oahu. Toshi, being new to Hawaii, did not know this. Toshi was assigned his dorm room in the Hale Aloha Towers, a freshman-only complex made of four residential buildings. The towers were named after the official island flowers of the four most populous Hawaiian islands. The Lehua Tower, Hawaii's island flower, Ilima, Oahu's flower, Mokihana, Kauai's flower, and Lokilani, Maui's flower. Toshi learned his dorm room would be in the Mokihana Tower, but not having a preference either way, just excited for the outcome. He had packed everything that was important to him into four boxes and two rolling suitcases and left his family for Hawaii. He was checking onto campus a bit earlier than the rest of the freshmen, so had the entire floor to himself. A couple of weeks prior, Toshi learned he would be the only occupant in the double occupant room. Something about his roommate's family pulling him from enrollment after finding out the assigned room. Choosing to wait until next year for a new dorm assignment. Toshi didn't mind. No need to adjust his life to someone else's. Although the room was identical to the others on the floor, it had been used as storage for the past several years. With record enrollment, all available rooms were made to be occupied. The fact his room 
was the only room in all four complexes besides the resident advisors that did not house two people was lost to him. College was always on the books for Toshi, as four years of university is just an expected part of Japan's school system. He had always excelled in school and could have attended almost any school in the US, but UH was a no brainer. Toshi burst into his dorm room for the first time, phone in hand, recording the process for a keepsake. He immediately noticed the stench of something, but couldn't put his finger on it. He quickly dismissed it and opened the window. A cool breeze blew in and mixed with the stale stench of the room, slowly clearing the air. Toshi began unpacking enthusiastically, finding the perfect spots for everything he owned. Although he rushed unpacking, Toshi was also kind of a neat freak, so still organized his clothes, school supplies, picture albums, and Japanese condiments, the ones he figured he wouldn't find in Hawaii. The excitement of exploring the campus nipped at his insides. Once fully unpacked, everything neatly in order, Toshi kicked the boxes behind him and took a picture of his finished dorm room. Looks like a picture from the school brochure, Toshi thought, patting himself on the shoulder. Toshi quickly locked up and left to explore the campus. After a couple of hours, his stomach began to growl and headed back to the cafeteria, conveniently located in the Hale Aloha complex. After dinner, Toshi sluggishly headed back upstairs to his room. No one else on his floor had checked in, so all the doors in the cylindrical building were closed and locked. As he stepped into his dark room, that slightly sweet, definitely putrid smell was present again, but stronger. He fumbled around for the light switch. The light filled the room as Toshi rushed across to the window to air out his living quarters. As he turned around, he stopped in his tracks. Everything he had arranged in his closet was now scattered around the room. The items he had neatly put away on his desk had been shuffled around. Some condiment bottles lay shattered on the base of the wall as if someone purposely threw them. Thinking he had been burglarized, he called the campus police who watched as he cataloged all of his belongings. In the end, nothing was missing. Toshi had money, his laptop, expensive school books worth close to a thousand dollars, but all were eventually found somewhere in the room. The thing that unsettled Toshi was the letter opener that had been stabbed in the volleyball Toshi bought on campus earlier that day. The handle of the makeshift knife still sticking out of the now deflated ball. Toshi thanked the officers who figured someone was just pulling a random prank on the new freshman and closed the door behind them as they left. Toshi, upset, 
but also slightly relieved he wasn't missing anything, got ready for bed and quickly fell into a deep sleep. As he slept, dreams of walking the campus flashed in his mind. Then, a woman, a beautiful woman, with thick black hair and perfect pale skin, appeared. Suddenly, Toshi was no longer walking the campus but was now sitting behind a desk in class during a lecture. The professor droned in the background as he and the mystery woman locked eyes from across the room. Her smile hit him in the gut. Normally, Toshi would have instantly looked away bashfully, but Dream Toshi kept his eyes locked on the woman and smiled back. Now Toshi wasn't what you would call a ladies' man. With his glasses and buzzed head, he was more monk than muscle. He was skinny, pale, and was clueless about the current fashion trends. He often dressed in grandpa sneakers, with the socks pulled midway up his calf. His t-shirts, always oversized, had hilarious, poorly translated quotes like fart sexy style and start to stop the keeping warm jar. All real shirts, by the way. Check out the podcast's Instagram, ghostlord.of.hawaii for fire memes and pictures relating to each episode. You can hit that follow if you'd like as well. Uh, Just go press pause and you can do it now. Hold on for a sec. The irony was, Toshi was not in on the jokes. He genuinely thought the quotes on his shirts were awesome. It's not that Toshi wasn't attracted to women. Oh, he was all right. He just never had the opportunity to pick up the skill of socializing, so was a bit awkward around everyone. But behind it all, Toshi was a genuinely sweet guy. Then, just as suddenly, Toshi's dream flashed to a new scene. They were seated at a diner. The mystery woman leaned in for a kiss. A kiss that felt so real. If Toshi had kissed a girl before, it would have felt exactly the same. He melted into her lips and was transported again. Now to his new dorm room. Like watching himself in a movie, he observed the flirting and kissing of a couple in love. Then, he was no longer watching himself, but he was back in his own point of view, the gorgeous stranger sitting on his bed. The rest of the night, he dreamed vivid, passionate dreams of making love to the woman, the feeling of love pulsing in his brain. His alarm startled him awake, each beep taking him further away from his fading dream. For a second, he had the huge grin of a guy who woke up the morning after getting laid. As sleep wore off and life began taking over, Toshi remembered 
it was all a dream. He sat up, stiff in more than one way. Gross. His body felt exhausted and beat up. The sheets on his bed had not been jostled, so he knew he hadn't been moving much throughout the night. He was damp from perspiration. He fumbled out into the hall and walked to the bathroom shared by the floor, slightly depressed from the feeling of reality. Toshi completed his business and headed to the sink to wash his hands and brush his teeth. He bent over and splashed his face with cold water. The shock rejuvenated and refreshed. As Toshi stood up straight again, his reflection caused him to pause. He looked as if he'd been up all night, matching the way he felt. There were dark bags under his eyes, and his cheeks looked sunken. Then, he noticed the scratches. First, on his arms. Then lifting his shirt, Toshi saw his chest, back, butt, everywhere. He could understand scratching himself while he slept but some of the scratches were in places he would not be able to reach. The scratches on his back looked as if someone was marking their territory in the thralls of passion. Memories of Toshi's wet dream flooded back, and he couldn't help but blush. A skeleton blushing, Toshi oddly thought. He was distracted the rest of the day, only partly aware of his surroundings. He floated through his math and English placement tests, not remembering much during those hours. He purchased the last of his books required for class from the campus bookstore and shopped for groceries to fill his mini-fridge. Truthfully, Toshi couldn't wait to go to sleep again, both exhausted from the night before, but also hoping for another romp in the imaginary sack with his mystery woman. Toshi ended up falling asleep slightly before 8pm that night. He was instantly transported back to the confident, suave Toshi, the Tyler Durden to the Edward Norton character in Fight Club. The beautiful Asian woman was even more striking than the night before. They walked the beaches at sunset, Toshi staring into the eyes of his love. Her face, a frozen smile, eyes forever locked on Toshi's as they walked. She never spoke in his dreams, even when they made mad love. Everything in his dreams were becoming more vivid. Toshi could smell the sweet scent of pikake on her hair mixed with something else something familiar but not something he could put his finger on as the dream progressed throughout the night the scent seemed to intensify eclipsing the sweet floral smell of his literal dream girl As he stared into her eyes, 
falling even deeper in love. He was jerked awake, violently. His consciousness yanked out of the dream, back into his body. Toshi smacked at the alarm app going off on his phone. He rolled over, body sore and exhausted again. These dreams were really taking it out of him, Toshi admitted, but enjoyed the feeling of lust, love, and being lusted for and loved. Toshi mindlessly went through his morning routine, bathroom, splashed his face with water, and brushed his teeth. As he observed himself in the mirror, he noticed not only were there new scratches all over his body again, but there were markings on his neck that resembled bruising. Ah, Kubisuju no Aza? Are these hickeys or love marks? Toshi had never had hickeys before and was kind of proud to finally be able to showcase his sexual accomplishments, no matter how fake they actually were. These intense sexual dreams happen nightly for weeks, like Inception, but more like Insection. Oof, bad. Even when fellow freshmen began filling the halls. During this time, Toshi's appearance also began to change. His eye bags darkened from the lack of quality sleep. He lost weight from his already frail body, and his pale complexion was clammy and gray. As his floor mates began the bonding process, only the first year away from home can build. Toshi chose his solitude. It wasn't because of his nationality either. There were three other international students on his floor. One, Kobayashi-san, even grew up 20 minutes away from Toshi's town. But no, Toshi preferred to stay locked in his room attempting to live in his dream. When he did leave his room to use the bathroom, his floor mates began to notice the scratches on his body and the bruising around his neck. Eh, that's the guy. What inexperienced Toshi thought looked like hickeys, in reality, really only just resembled bruising, as if he'd been choked by something. Being college guys, jokes spread of Toshi being into erotic asphyxiation, basically being turned on by restricting oxygen to the brain. <laughs> Bro, he could hear you. Toshi heard the rumors, but didn't care because it wasn't the truth. Actually, he didn't really know how he got the bruises, but he was certain. It wasn't from pulling a David Carradine. When the semester began, everyone thought Toshi would break out of his loner routine. Hey, the guy needed to go to class, right? That's why everyone was here in the first place. But nope. Toshi missed all of his classes day one and day two. This did not go unnoticed by his resident advisor on the floor. Truth was, Toshi creeped Jerry the fuck out. Jerry was hoping Toshi would transition to some sort of normalcy once classes started. But this was not so. Toshi's dreams continued to intensify all throughout this time 
Hey, if you were an introvert who never even got close to talking to a girl and was suddenly a wanted sex pistol, whatever that is, would you want to leave for Toshi's reality? Don't lie. Toshi began falling deeper in love with this mysterious female who showed him what physical intimacy was like. He didn't care the bruise on his neck began to hurt. The skin was tender and raw. His bedsheets stank of sweat and that weird smell he noticed on his first day in the dorm room. He also began to notice that same smell on the woman's hair and breath. Toshi didn't care. He loved her for her. He loved her for her imperfections. The woman had a matching bruised neck. Toshi hadn't noticed that before. And her fingernails were chipped and bloody. But whose weren't? Toshi thought as he kissed her neck while she clawed at his back. The pain he felt in his dream just as real as the love. Hey, Tosh. Jerry waited for the door to open. He knew Toshi was in there. When was he not? Jerry was concerned when Toshi stopped coming out of his room altogether a while back, but quickly learned Toshi had been relieving himself in bottles and cans he had trashed in his room. Jerry had a talk with Toshi about not being able to do that in the dorms and probably shouldn't do that anywhere. Since then, Toshi had been going to use the bathroom once or twice a day. Showers were not as frequent. Jerry heard the rustling of bedsheets through Toshi's door and knocked once more. Hey, Toshi, it's Jerry. He heard the clanging of items being knocked over than the slow march of a kid not fully awake. The door unlocked and a whiff of hot, stale air escaped out of the crack. Ugh, Toshi, Jerry said concerned. There's something rotting in your room. How did you not notice that? Toshi mumbled something about not having a good sense of smell, but his thick Japanese accent made it difficult for Jerry to be certain. Tosh, I'm a bit concerned. It's your first semester and you haven't gone to any of your classes, and you look horrid. And bruh, you smell worse. And geez, did you roll around in some keave trees? Keave are usually found on beaches and is notorious for its spindly, thorny branches that scatter beneath its shade, puncturing many a rubber slipper. Hawaii Body Piercings, LLC. And what happened to your neck? Jerry exclaimed, inspecting the bruising on Toshi's neck. The guys are saying you're into choking yourself. Now look, I'm all into self-discovery during college. You know, I've gotten freaky deaky during my first few years here, but not if it's taking a negative toll. Embrada, it is. It wasn't like Toshi disagreed. He knew reality from make-believe. He knew he was being Lolo. He overheard the word Lolo being whispered whenever he left his room. Bro, that's the Lolo kid. Never mind him. In Pigeon, 
Lolo basically translated to dumb, stupid, or crazy. He knew he was dumb and stupid for missing class. His parents were shelling out a lot of money to ship him overseas. But was he crazy? Jerry convinced Toshi to grab some food, some real food, not the canned crap Toshi had been eating all these weeks, cold. They walked down to the cafeteria, conveniently located downstairs. With each step, Toshi felt the grasp of his lust lessen. When the two sat to eat, Toshi took a bite of a chickenish type of patty covered in gravy next to some instant mashed potatoes. Yeah, sorry we couldn't go somewhere nicer, Jerry apologized. But before he could finish, Toshi had began tucking into his plate two-handed. Toshi felt the hunger of weeks of malnutrition. Surprised and relieved, Jerry grabbed another dinner, a few rolls, and a variety of fruit, and placed it in front of Toshi. After he finished his entire meals, Toshi instantly began to bawl. (laughs) The bliss of his meal and the dissipating grasp of the dream world gave Toshi a sense of relief he'd never felt before. (laughs) He cried to Jerry, blaming it on being homesick and tired from having nightmares, not mentioning the woman or the sexual nature of the dreams, as they were still in the cafeteria and people had already began to stare at the two. You think he misses mommy? Hey, Tosh. Do you want to just stay over in my room? No, no, no. It, Toshi, okay. You sure? We can watch mo- No! Toshi yelled and slammed his hand on the table. Okay, okay, no, no worry. Just offering. No, Toshi apologize, Toshi said, unsure of where the anger came from. Toshio felt bad. He knew something was off about his dorm room, but wasn't ready to spend a night away from his room or woman, no matter how crazy it sounded. You think Tosh Roro? Toshi asked in his broken English. Most other people would probably think Toshi was Lolo. Only the coincidences were too common thought Jerry. You see, Jerry heard stories of the college being haunted, and Toshi's experience seemed all too common. Jerry grew up in Kailua, on the east side of the island, so was well aware of its hauntings. Rumors of the Huaka'ipo passing through Manoa Valley was common knowledge to locals. The ghost of Mary Dillingham Freer is still seen in the dorms on the UH campus that bears her name. Mrs. Freer had strong ties to the Hawaiian community and As in life, her apparition is seen wearing white, roaming the halls, key ring jingling, and the scent of her perfume wafting throughout the building. Then, there was the haunting at the Mokihana dorms.
The tale went, Emma, a shy freshman girl from a small town in North Big Island, moved to Oahu to attend UH. Her parents were extremely strict, so she was glad to be getting some freedom. Everything seemed to be working out great. She was getting good grades and had made a bunch of new friends. She had also started dating Scott, a UH junior from California who was on the men's volleyball team. The UH team was nationally ranked, so the athletes were like gods. Maybe more like demigods. Scott was tall, blonde, and ripped. The side effects from being a star athlete. Girls on campus googled their eyes at him, but he had chosen her, Emma believed. They spent nights together at Scott's off-campus apartment, and when he had late-night practices or meetings, he'd stay at her dorm. Emma's roommate conveniently rushed during Greek week and had moved out to live in her sorority house. Emma didn't care she didn't know much about Scott. He wasn't really the sharing type, besides talking about his accomplishments, big or small. You should have seen how straight I parked it. Other than that, she didn't really know anything about his family, town life, or even his interests like music. He was more of the makeout type, but he told her how much she meant to him and how happy she made him. And that was enough for the sheltered Big Island girl to fall in love with the collegiate player. I mean athlete. Collegiate athlete. Then, everything came crashing down for Emma. And that wraps up part one of our two-part story. To find out what happens to Toshi, Emma, and to learn how their two stories merge, tune in next week for part two on The Hauntings at the UH Manoa. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm so sorry the episode was a little delayed. You know, life. Well, this is the first two-parter on the podcast, so I'm planning on releasing on back-to-back weeks, maybe sooner, you know, to apologize for the delay. Like I mentioned in the episode, check out my Instagram, ghostlore.of.hawaii. I like to post a lot of the visuals that tie into each episode. So if there's some pigeon slang or Hawaiian words that I don't translate in the episode, let me know and I can make a post defining them. I also post a ton of stories and memes about true crime, the paranormal, and Hawaii in general. So um, check out the Instagram and hit follow. If you were entertained please rate and review at Apple Podcasts. It helps the show get in front of new listeners. If you have a story you want to hear in the podcast or want to send over some advice or feedback or just want to say hi, you can email me at ghostlore.of.hawaii at gmail.com. All episodes were written, voiced, and produced by me, Uncle Jared. Some of my stories may differ from a version you've heard in the past. In some instances, 
I may change certain aspects of the story, but the main backbone of the tale will remain the same. Some names and locations may be altered for privacy's sake. Although I aim for the historical facts to be accurate, the main purpose for this podcast is for entertainment, then education. So although I aim for the information to be 100% true, I cannot guarantee it will be. If you're curious about any historical fact, please research that topic to be sure. But the peculiar, but the peculiar, but the peculiar, 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 but the peculiar thing.